Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up and welcome to the Believe in Hornets podcast on the Believe Podcast Network presented by Bet Online. My name is Sam. Raymond Felton is with me. Raymond, how are you? I'm good. How about you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, the show took a little break uh, post um, the Hornets elimination from the play-in. Um, I had some personal stuff in my life I had to deal with, but things have somewhat calmed down so we're able to record. And the timing's nice. You know, the draft is this week. We'll see what happens. Um, but in this episode, we're going to talk about the draft. We're going to talk about the playoffs that we've just seen. And we're going to recap the Hornets offseason to this point. So after the break, we're going to get into all that fun stuff. So stay tuned. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports development, including basketball, NHL, Major League Baseball, latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's 5050. Go to betonline.ag, use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, BELIEVE, to get the bonus and get into the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. So uh, let's st- take it from the top. Uh, basically about a week after uh, the Hornets were eliminated from the play-in, they announced that uh, James Borrego would be relieved of his duties as head coach, ending a four-year tenure with the club, um, it's it's one of those things that um, you know you never like to see anybody lose their job, right? I think Brego will land on his feet um, as an assistant or another coach in you know, another coaching spot someplace at some point. He's he did an incredible job in Charlotte. Uh, Mitch Kupchak talked about this team needed a new voice. You know, um, no slight on what he accomplished here, but he's like, you know, we got to switch it up. And after two similar outcomes in the playing. Fans could feel it, you know, you got us. And that's the easiest move to make, right? Than changing the roster around. So what's your reaction to this change? You know, are the Hornets making the change to move away from Borrego? I think it's just, a, it's a tough spot when it, when it comes to this, this, this line of business, you know, um, it's pressure on players, it's pressure on coaches, it's pressure on the front office, uh, it's, it's, it's pressure. And it's just unfortunate when somebody gets fired, it's automatically, oh, it was his fault or he wasn't doing his job. It's not even that. You know, sometimes it's, it's as simple as what, you know, um, Mitch Kupchick said. You know, it's that simple. You know, we need a new voice in this locker room. You know, these young guys need to hear somebody else different now. You know, it's been four or five years since he's been in there and um, he's done a great job. And, you know, they're trying to figure out how they can try to move forward. And they feel like, bringing in another coach could be that thing that doesn't work now we gotta figure out kind of make some trades and get some different players in there you know see if that mixes you know that's part of the game man unfortunately that's part of how it goes you know Rego for me to me is a great coach um but maybe that is what those young guys need somebody different you know what I'm saying tell Miss Coach check I'm open too I'm ready to coach if you need me 
<laughs> we're we're going to talk about it. There's still an opening, so we'll see. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, you know, Mitch talked about it. You know, it was, it was, you said it was emotional. You know, they, they came yeah. into the Hornets organization at the same time. Yeah. Um, you know, Alcabra came in, uh, they, they fired Steve Clifford, brought in Borrego, and they've been linked ever since. And so mm-hmm. now um, they embark on, for the first time since, uh, a coaching search. And that, that, that search was go- went on for 50 days or so. Um, and they landed on two finalists, Mike D'Antoni and Kenny Atkinson. And they decided with, to go with Kenny Atkinson, uh, who at the time was in the NBA Finals with the Golden State Warriors. And it's a move that I liked a lot. You know, this team, he, he did a very good job with Brooklyn, given that situation. You know, they're coming off the Garnett uh, era where they just went all in and they're a full on rebuild post that. And he was the guy in charge at that point. Um, and then, um, you know, Durant comes in, they bring in Kyrie, they go in a different direction with Steve Nash. And, you know, uh, Atkinson goes to the assistant role, just kind of biding his time. He has an opportunity to be a head coach with the Hornets. Um, what, what do you think about, because you've you played against uh, Atkinson's squads. Um, what comes to mind when, you, when you've played against his teams? I love Kenny. I'm going to just be honest with you. I, I was with him when, you know, he when I was with the Knicks. You know, he was there as an assistant there. And just his energy that he has as a coach on the court, off the court, you know, just his mind towards the game. Um, I thought he would have been a great fit for those young guys. You know, just a, a young coach who who has that fire and desire and that voice, you know, to to bring something different. So I, when I saw that, I was like, that's a good look. That's a good look for Charlotte. That's going to be, that might be big for them next year. And then boom, I heard that he decided to stay. I was like, ooh, man, that hurts. You know, right before the draft and, you know, just so many different things that now they have to, Charlotte has to do real fast. Cause I feel like going into the draft, you need a coach in place. You know, you definitely need a coach. You want somebody in there to help with those picks and, you know, who they think might come in and help with the team. So this is crunch time for Charlotte, man. They got to get something done here in the next few days, you know, very soon, not even a few days. So, um, but yeah, Kenny, Kenny's great though, man. He's, he's very energetic. He knows the game. Um, I think he's not only just an offensive minded coach, he's also a defensive minded coach. Mm-hmm. So um, that kind of, that's kind of something that I think that was going to be great for Charlotte. Cause I feel like, you know, they have all the young talent that can score the ball, but they need to learn how to play on the other side of the, um, ball too because that's what win games is defense so um that was going to be fun to see but unfortunately you know he has to do what he has to do his best for his family and sometimes that's tough yeah yeah and uh i'm as a hornets fan there's no for me at least no ill will about it you know and who knows man he like curry won four titles right like he at some point Kerr is gonna walk away and Kenny Atkinson could slide right in there too. So I can't yeah. fault the man for, for being the the, the lead assistant there. Yeah. yeah. You know, with Mike Brown leaving, going to Sacramento, like it's um it, it makes a lot of sense. So salute to Kenny, but the Hornets are back at it again. And it's interesting this time around because last time there were three openings, including the Hornets one. You had the mm-hmm. Lakers without a coach, and you had um the Kings at the time without a coach. Um, and now those positions are filled. 
Hornets mm-hmm. need a new coach, and now they're competing against the Jazz, um, which um, at the time when the, when you had Lakers, um, Kings, and Hornets, I know I'm biased here, but I thought the Hornets job was the best one of them. If you take you know take the markets out of it, just from a roster point of view, because mm-hmm. the Lakers roster. It's very like it's hard capped. Like there's not a lot of flexibility there. The Kings roster, it's it's in a weird place. They're trying to get to the 10 seed, but they still have like a weird mix of youth and experience. The Hornets had a, a lot more flexibility and were a better team last year. They had a better record last year when they're playing. Mm-hmm. Um, but now though, with the Jazz, they're a team that's on like the brink of a decision. You know, they got the Gobert and Mitchell stuff to figure out. Um, but they're way closer to the ultimate goal than any of those teams. And so I'm wondering, like, all right, they, they've brought in Mike D'Antoni. Terry Stotts is another guy um, that was a finalist uh, under Hornets consideration, uh, reportedly. And I'm like, well, if you're, if you're Terry Stotts, you're Mike D'Antoni. Like, are you like, what do you mean? You had your chance. He told the other guy and he said no. <laughs> and then like, oh, by the way, Utah's over here and they need a head coach. Maybe I'll take my attention that elsewhere. What's your take on this new situation the Hornets are in? Having to play, like kind of redo some of the process? Because during the process, to their credit, they took their time. They spent their due diligence interviewing mm-hmm. guys who have been uh, longtime assistants, first-time assistants, um, former coaches, no coaching experience. They kind of run the spectrum of, of candidates. But like, if if you're Mike D'Antoni or Terry Stotts, like, are, if it, your phone rings, it's like seven zero four number. You're like, oh, you had your chance. <laughs> how do you, what, what, how do you what do think know. about that? I don't, I, I don't know. think they I would say no to that. I don't think they would either. I think it's a situation where, I mean, you're going for an interview for a job, you got, you know, or you're going for a role as a, as a, as a lead role in the in a movie, and you in there with five, six people that's at the same statue, the same level as you, and y'all got your credentials, and, you know, the team has to make a decision. Somebody's going to leave here unhappy today. So, you know, the person they chose, unfortunately, family reasons, they couldn't totally commit when it was time. So now it's next man up. Who's that number two guy? And Mike D'Antoni was that number two guy. So um, I don't know, you know, if they already in talks or figuring that out or whatever, you know what I'm saying? But um, I didn't even know Chris Snyder was on fire. Is that the case? Yeah, so I think he technically resigned. Um, okay. But yeah, he's uh, he said he's going to take a year off. So I know Hornets fans wanting him here. That's what I'm about to say. That's I mean, not that's, that's happening. He's, he's taking a year for himself. That's a great coach. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, there's, maybe there's something MJ can go in and, and change his mind. Yeah. You know? Because that happened well. Like, the Hornets were really deep into the process when that Jazz opening happened. So, mm-hmm. you know, if they are starting from scratch, um, that that could be something. Even Like, Frank Vogel's, Frank Vogel's still chilling out there, too. You know, there, there are good mm-hmm. coaches out there. And it's just a matter of, like, what kind of, what kind of pitch is made to these guys. Um, these guys will know what they're walking into with the draft coming up. You know, mm-hmm. um, they won't have a say in the matter. Um, Mitch Kupchak will. Speaking of, he, there's some like reports about his future with the team uh, because, like, I guess four years ago, we signed a four year contract reportedly, but he announced that he'll be sticking with the Hornets f- for several years. He signed a multi year deal. Um, again, um, like, Kupchak has done an incredible job with this roster in that time. Mm-hmm. You look at the, the growth, the the talent development over that time period, especially with being draft season, what he's done in the second round since he's been here from Devontae Graham to Cody Martin to Jalen McDaniels, 
Um, like even Nick Richards from last year's draft is showing like he could be a rotational big in this league. Mm-hmm. You know, he has the track JT Thor as well. You know, um, losing that would be extremely detrimental to what the Hornets are trying to do here. So I'm glad personally and as a Hornets fan that Mitch is sticking around. I, mm-hmm. I, I assume you feel the same way. Oh, no question. You know, that's, that's one of my Carolina guys, so of course. You know what I'm saying? But, I, I mean, I know he knows the game. Yeah. You know, because he did a lot. A lot of people don't forget now. He was a part of that Lakers, yeah. you know, era. And it was winning a lot of games over there. So, he, he, he knows how to win games. He knows how to put a team together to win games and have that pedigree to bring those type of players in. So, um, I mean, I think Charlotte, you know, has a – has a has a great stepping stone already with him starting with him but you know things got to mix i tell people that all the time man like the lakers had some of the best players that played this game in one roster and it just didn't mix and they, you know that's just what it is and i love what you know donovan ham came in and said about russell yeah. you know what I'm saying because i've been hating to hear everybody talk so bad about him all year and it's like you know, this man's stats has been his stats. You know, Russell has never been a, a Steph Curry type of shooter. So his shooting percentage has never been 50%, 48%, you know, you know, all this stuff. Everybody wanted to harp on it so bad this year because he's playing for the quote unquote Lakers. And it's like, like, why are y'all bashing this man when y'all was just on this man crazy for the last four years with all these all these triple doubles? You know what I'm saying? So it's like ain't nothing changed, and I'm I'm glad that the new coach that came in is really you know behind him has his back to give him that confidence to give him that support, and they got to figure it out because Russell Westbrook wasn't a problem last year. Y'all not about to point the finger on yeah. one person, you know what I'm saying? That's a team game over there, and you're about to, about to point it on one person and say that was his fault. They just didn't mix last year. They wasn't a good team. You know, and that's just what it is. I'm not saying they wasn't good players. That's crazy yeah. to say that. You know, you got Carmelo over there. You got LeBron over there. You got AD. You got Russ. You got, I mean, the list goes on. I can name a whole bunch of people. They had a bench and everything. You know, so they had the team. It just didn't mix. And that's just sometimes that's how it go. You know, but nobody wants to face that part of it. Nobody wants to face the fact that, okay, these group of guys that we brought in just didn't mix. So we need to try something different. We need to see what's new instead of trying to bash or point the blame on, on one person. You know, that's the one thing I don't like about it when it comes to that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think Bogle was a victim of that and Russ was definitely a victim of that. You know? Um, it's just it's a low-hanging fruit. And yeah. You know, if you're the if you're the GM, you're not gonna say it's your fault. You know, you're gonna like point the fingers at someplace else. You know, it's, but why not though? I mean, why not? I mean, I, I feel like you get a, a whole lot more respect, you know, in that perspective than you know, say, okay, we're gonna fire this coach, or you know, we're gonna let one guy one guy be the fall guy all year to the media. And it's like, no, as a GM, you step up and say, look, you know, I put a team together and they didn't mix, they didn't gel. You know, I feel like the team I put together is a great team. You look at it on roster, look at how. I was able to get these guys in here on this team, but they didn't mix together. Those these players didn't mix, so I got to go back to the drawing board and try to try to make some changes and and bring something in better that that to make us successful next year. And that could have been just that simple. You know, you're still going to get back backlash because it's the Lakers, and you know, you know how that goes. You know, fans and you know the social media, the the media they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna kill you regardless. But don't let it don't let a player, one player be your fall guy or a coach be your fall guy. Like I, I didn't like that part of it. Yeah. No, I think that's well said. I think that's well said. Um 
we can keep it in the Western Conference here while we're talking about it. The NBA Finals have come and gone. Warriors won the title in six games. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? Like, we're watching that series. You know, like, we've seen, like, saw Steph show why he's Steph Curry in that series, especially game four where he went off in Boston. Like, mm-hmm. what, was your th- what were your th- thoughts on the finals? Hey, man, I loved it. I loved it. No, I've, I've had a lot of people call my phone, you know, friends, you know, people just want to bet, want to bet this, want to bet that, you know, Boston going to beat them. They, they, they don't got enough of Boston, you know, this and that. I said, look, let me tell you something. One thing I know about Golden State, they've they've been there before. They've been through some things these last two years of, you know, being those teams that was getting beat, not making the playoffs, you know, just getting beat beat up for a little bit, you know, because of injuries. Now they have opportunity, they healthy. They got some young guys in the mix with them that, that can play and they can contribute and help along with some veterans, along with guys of their core that's back healthy again, Clay, yeah. Steph, you know, even Iggy at points, you know, when they needed him to just be that. Gary Payton Jr. Listen, Gary Payton II. Gary Payton II, man, was tremendous for the Golden State Warriors this year. You know, and tip off to the young fella, man. You know, he's he's been through a lot. I'm happy for him. I'm proud of him. And um, I wish him nothing but the best because, you know, he made, his, he made his name finally in this league and made his mark. And now he's going to stick because he brings something very contributional to any team. You know, and I don't think Golden State would let him go. So I think I feel like he's found his niche with the right team. But when you got those type of guys who've been there before, they hungry again. They want to win again. They know how to win. They know what it takes to win. Boston just didn't. They didn't understand that yet. You know, and they did a great job. I'm not taking them for Boston like we was talking about earlier. Boston is going to be back again. Boston is going to be this young team that you're going to have to deal with on this East Coast. Yep. You're going to have to deal with them. You know, that's just what it is. You're going to have to deal with Boston, and that's good. I'm glad to see Boston is back. And, you know, those guys shouldn't hang their head for nothing. Obviously, you know, you get that far, you want to win it. But I promise you, you know, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, you guys will be back. Y'all just stay together, stay the course, you know, get better, you know, and just keep keep going because y'all will be y'all will be getting that trophy one day soon if y'all if y'all stay together and keep playing the way y'all been playing. But y'all just went against a team that just. Had went through a lot of adversity and just they was fighting to come back and prove to the world that we are we are still one of these elite programs, one of these elite you know, organizations in this in this NBA, and they have something to prove. So y'all was y'all was y'all was fighting a battle that y'all didn't have no chance in, you know, saying but um, but yeah, Golden State's good, man. Steph Curry is just you know, in my opinion now you have to put him in that talk of you know. And that's hard to say. Top ten, top twenty, in this in this era, he's top he's top twenty. I mean, he's top ten. You have to put him there, you know. And in the era that I grew up in, you know, is is so many guys that I I saw I saw play the game. But I mean, ain't nobody really did what he did or what he's doing, and he's changed the game. When somebody changes the game, when you make teams uh from 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 high school AAU college yeah, middle school <laughs> I don't care where you look at everybody wants to shoot threes now yeah. you know what I'm saying so you know he he's impacted the game like that and I feel like when you impact the game like that why 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 aren't you considered to be top a top 10 player a top five player I mean when you impact the game 
To me, Allen Iverson is a is a top five, top ten player. A lot of people may not think that, but he changed the game. Yep. You know, when you change the game in any form or fashion, you you icon. <laughs> and you know, I mean, that's just what it is to to these young kids today. You know, into the basketball world. Period. You know, Steph Curry is an icon now, and you know he deserves it. Oh, 100 percent, hundred percent. And I just want to say one more thing about the, one thing about the Celtics. Mm-hmm. They went through it. Like that, um, that Buck series was so physical, and then they followed up with that Heat series. It's like, man, they got they got like that's like a bunch of bruises. Like those, no, that was not an easy road to get to the finals. So salute to them for for, for making it out of that. Because that was like an NFL game watching those. It was like watching, I'm telling you, not the level of like '90s basketball. I don't want to overstate it, but man, those those teams went at it. It was very physical, and the kind of, it was nice to see. It was nice to like change up because yeah, no question. Because East Coast is more. Oh, sorry, completely different. No, go ahead. The Western Conference series altogether. Like it was like Listen, two different sports. East Coast is uh, is defensive minded, physical. You know, you go. It's going to be tough for you to win these games. To we go over to the West Coast, they like to score a little bit more. They like to put the ball in the basket. They like to get up and down the court, shoot a lot of threes and, and have a lot of fun playing like that. So, I, you are totally correct. It's two different sides. West Coast basketball, East Coast basketball is, is, is totally different. But it's fun to see, though. I mean, I feel like that's how it was back in the day, if y'all ask me. You're talking about Chicago, the Detroit, the Boston Celtics, the New York Knicks. This guy, they used to play physical. I mean, everybody played physical back in the day, but I'm just saying, like, the, the level of physicality on the Eastern Conference teams was, to me, looked like it was totally different than it was on the West. It was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll get into some draft talk right after this. All right, Raymond, it is, as we're recording this, it is Monday night. The draft is Thursday night. Right now, the Hornets are sitting with the 13th pick and the 15th pick. And I think the 45th pick, they're in the middle of the second round. Uh, so they have some, some tools to play with. Next year's pick is, I think, top 16 protected. So I don't know. We'll see what happens this year. But mm-hmm. that's what we're kind of looking at right now as they're going in to, uh, to, to draft night. You know, the Hornets, it was pretty, like, it was the most likely outcome on lottery night was that they wouldn't move up or down. Um, they, everything held, ended up with the 13th pick kind of as expected. My question for you though, like, you know, we had on, on draft day, we had Dame Lillard there representing the Blazers. PJ was there representing the Hornets. Uh, when, you, when you were playing, how much attention did you pay, atten- pay attention to? That's a, that, that's a terrible sentence, but you know what I mean. How much pay attention? Wow. How much attention did you pay <laughs> to the lottery uh, when you were playing? And was that something talked about um, amongst your, well, your teammates? Well, it was something that, you know, you paid attention to to see who was your new teammates going to be, who who was somebody that you felt, felt like could come out from college and, and contribute and help the team, especially if you was a lottery pick team. Um, you know, for me, you know, Charlotte picked my fourth, my fourth year, Charlotte, they picked a point guard, they picked DJ Augustine. So me and DJ got a chance to play with each other for two years. And, um, you know, so when you pick a point guard, it's like, okay, y'all not, you're not satisfied. You're not happy with me, you know, but I didn't take it like that. I took it like, you know, I'm not about to let you come in here and take my job, you know, cause I'm still young myself, you know, and, but at the same time, like I'm a, I'm going to embrace him because, you know, he's a young guy. I was a young guy who came in behind Brevin Knight and, you know, he embraced me and he helped me out with a, with a lot. You know, we still friends to this day. 
and just, you know, I wanted to give that same thing back to him, but not make him understand, like, I'm not Brevin Knight, though, because Brevin Knight was, you know, at the end of his career, and I'm just getting started just like you. So, you know, we we going to be in some dog fights in here. We're going to make each other better, you know what I'm saying, and we're going to try to make this team better, you know, and that's how I approached it, you know, but not everybody, not everybody approaches it that way because, you know, this is somebody that you are competing with. This is somebody that you are, you know, fighting minutes with, you know, every day, every practice, so every game. So, you know, some people take it personal in that way. And and that was in the back of my head, too. You know what I'm saying? But I had confidence in myself to, like, you know, still do my job and then still try to be somebody that try to help him as well and help our team. Mm-hmm. I got you. Got you. So, like, you know, the, the Hornets sitting at 13 and 15, you know, I there's, there's, there's like a, you know, you got the top tier guys, the top three guys. And then um, the experts are saying, like, there's a next group and then, like, there's a few centers in that next group, a couple centers in that next group. I think a lot of Hornets fans have that position on their minds, uh, understandably so. I'm one of them. Guys like Jalen Duran and Mark Williams are question marks, like, where, who will go ahead of who? Uh, I think Duran is probably the, the odds-on favorite to be taken before anybody else. The Hornets are in a, a decent spot to be in Williams' range, if that's their target, uh, with Cleveland sitting between, like, right in there at the 14th spot. They're not taking a center. So mm-hmm. Hornets are a spot where they can maybe walk away from the draft with a guy like Sohan from, from Baylor, a guy, a perimeter defender who can, who can play multiple positions, you know, um, help fortify that defense. And then with that next pick, with the 15th pick, maybe select Mark Williams there. So I think there's some flexibility. I don't know how much value there is in those picks in this year's draft. Mm-hmm. Um, you never know. Crazy things can happen at any point, you know, at any point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Woj or Shams has sent out a tweet a trade has been made but it's one of those things like I'm going into to draft night with like open ex- well, like no expectations open minded and I mm-hmm. think the most realistic s- situation or scenario is that the Hornets stay where they are because like I mentioned they may not have a pick next year so if they if you factor in last year where they had two picks Kai Jones James Booknight guys who uh, Mitch talked about there's nothing with Brego that um, Mitch said these, these guys didn't play enough last year or, you know, they didn't play as often as much as he expected. It's it's a, almost like a redshirt year for those guys. We don't know what we have in those players. We've seen glimpses, mm-hmm. but we don't know for sure. And so mm-hmm. those guys coming into this year, two more rookies this year, two first round rookies this year, and then you know we'll see. You know, so maybe there's opportunities for them to maybe Hornets get maybe like a more risky pick, send them down to Greensboro for a season, redshirt them essentially, a quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And I'll be a rookie next year. So they have some 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 moves to make if they want to. If they mm-hmm. stand pat, um, I don't think anyone would fault them. Uh, this team needs help, you know. And the, one of the best ways to develop is through the draft. They'll take full advantage of the rookie <laughs> contract situation. Yeah, that's true. You know? But they also need somebody to come in and help at that center spot. Yep. Somebody needs to help right away. So they also got to keep that into consideration as well. I think they um they don't have a backup point guard right now either. No, do that's they. a big one. That's a very big so, one. So you know that's um that's another thing that they got to fulfill. So these are some of the things they got to think about. You know, sometimes you might have to use some of those picks though as bait mm-hmm. to uh to get what you need right away. You know, I feel like Charlotte's a team that's itching and ready to win and ready to get into those playoffs. And maybe bringing in somebody young again is is a possibility, but I think more so what they need to be looking at what they are. I feel like they are looking for is somebody that's going to be able to come in and contribute at those two positions right away. 
like right away. So rather they got to go find and have somebody in mind already that's in a draft or they have somebody that they can negotiate with and, and trade these picks and get something because like I said, they, they, they need, they need help in both of those spots right away. Yeah, and they have some, some like Kelly Oubre has an expiring contract that mm-hmm. packaged out with a pick. Mason Plumley has an expiring contract. You can package with a pick to make, mm-hmm. you know, to make that one for one deal or like two for one deal, basically to bring somebody in. So they have, they have room. They can put both of them together. If they want to get a guy. Cause I think if you put both those contracts together, you're on 20 million. Um, to get you through the next year to make the trade go through. So there's mm-hmm. there's some avenues there. Like Miles Turner's a dude who has been on the trading block reportedly for years, right? Um, my only reservation with him specifically, he would help here, is uh, he missed, his season ended with a foot injury and he has six, 11, seven footers with a foot injury. It makes me like, Ugh, I don't know. Plus he's gonna be an uh, unrestricted free agent next summer. And he like, he pushed the chips on the table for this year and then he walks. It's just, it's like, uh, it, it's something that Mitch will have to like really flesh out because I don't know how many of these guys will um will be available, right? Mm-hmm. Like so many teams with this play in, so many franchises think they can do something, right? Like Sacramento is a perfect example of this. Like they went in on the on the deadline and brought in Sabonis, traded away Halliburton, trying to go for it. it. It didn't work out, but it may work out next year, you know. So no, they got they got better. Regardless, it didn't happen towards the end of the season last year. They got something to work with going into the season. Mm-hmm. They're they're a team that you know you got to look at. that could be in that top ten contender for sure in that West Coast. You know they got a good team over there. So um, yeah, I mean that's that was that was real big. And then now they got a good a great coach coming in there. But Mike Brown, yeah, Mike you know, Brown, they, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So, you know, that's going to that's gonna shape up things as well, too, and make things better. So, it's going to be interesting to see. Plus, they got the fourth pick. Uh, Jaden Ivey is a guy who everyone's saying he's the best player outside the top three, but he's mm-hmm. another guard, kind of like you mentioned. Like, do you add another guard? When they just got rid of Halliburton, do you add him to Fox and and him to Mitchell into that mix? Mm-hmm. I say yes. Draft best player available and figure it out later. Like, Yeah, um, no question. But we'll see. That's one of, like, the – Interesting storylines, like when, when the draft kind of restarts, so to speak, and how right. things shake out after that, and there's the moving pieces involved with that. So we'll, we'll see what happens. And then for those who are keeping close eye on things, free agency starts August 2nd. We'll see what happens. The Hornets have two big free agents, Cody Martin and uh, Miles Bridges. We'll, you know, they're both them restricted. Keep got, both of them. Yeah, you got it. You can't lose those guys. Keep can't, both can't of them. Can't lose them. Keep both of them. That's all I can say. Keep both of them. <laughs> yeah, uh, um, I think there's heavy reports of Portland really interested in either Jeremy Grant or Miles Bridges. Um, Hornets are in an enviable, enviable position because uh, Bridges is a restricted free agent; they can match any offer. So it's going to take—I think it take a lot for him to leave. Uh, so I don't—I I, I just don't see it happening. I—I I really don't think he leaves Charlotte. But um, who knows, man? You never—you <laughs> never know with the league. You never I'm know with the NBA. Now, oh, J- Jeremy Grant is up for a contract this year. Oh no, I think he'd be more trade, uh, like more trade bait. Uh, because okay. um, Portland picks seventh, and like the the rumor is using the seventh pick for Jeremy, like trading that to, to Detroit to bring Jeremy Grant in. And Portland, yeah, to, to yeah. Portland. That'll help Portland too. Yeah, yeah, that'll man. help Portland. I think they're still trying to go for it too with Lillard. Yeah, you know, I don't think they're ready. To trade well, they get it. Well, no, they got to make they got to make some changes. They got to yeah. get him some um, some pieces around him. You know, I think you know that's going to be one of the biggest things. Give him some pieces to make him feel like they they can contend again. You know what I'm saying? So they had a lot of injuries, man. You know, they're losing. You know, I think a lot of people was was waiting for that 
CJ McCollum and Dane Willard break up, you know. So now that you've done that, now you got to figure it out. Yeah. Because he's going to walk next if if you don't. <laughs> no, for real, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, yeah. He, he, the, the clock is ticking on that one. Um, no question. What what um what B Bill going to do? Have you heard anything? What Bradley Bill going to do? I think he I think he stays. I think he's going to get that super max. And okay. then we'll see after that. Like these guys are pressing in of guys staying, getting their money, and then, and then say okay, ask I want for a trade later. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I'm like, get your money, man. I ain't gonna fault you. You know. Okay. Me either. <laughs> but I mean, I feel like DC is not a bad place, though. It's not a bad city. You know, it hasn't been hasn't been a bad organization. You know, I I mean, not that I've heard of. You know, you know, but. I mean, it's just one of those places where the fans is the fans is good there. For what I've seen when I played there, um, I don't know. You know, just got they got to just get some more pieces in there, add some more, add some more players. You know, Bradley, um, Bradley is a, it's a great start as a as they uh, you know source of you know franchise player. You know, you put some pieces around him. You got Porzingis there yep. now, Kuzma. and then Kuzma, really who, who I like. Yeah. Yeah, so you know you got some you got some good good talented guys in there, man. But I think y'all have something some things to work with. Yeah, another team that has that's looking for um, a point guard. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, I was just this is not this is part of the tangent, but this was not in the rundown. But I'm no, the Eastern Conference is going to be so tough next season. Um, I, I I look at every team, and they that injury issues or they're going to make something. Rumor to have do something in the offseason to be better. Like the level is going to go up next year in the Eastern Conference. It's already risen to the mm-hmm. point where the Hornets would have been like a six seed in an, any other year where 43 wins gets you that, but you know, they're a 10 seed. And then with Western Conference, especially when the Nuggets are healthy again, when the Clippers are healthy again, I, I believe the Lakers will figure it out. Uh, we, met, we talked about the Blazers. Who the hell knows what the Thunder, you know, like they have that really young team. They have all these first round draft picks. They can go for somebody if they need to at some point. Like mm-hmm. the, the league is the depth of the league right now is is off the charts. It's, it's nice to see because it's boring if the same teams are always in it. So um, I'm, I, I appreciate it. I just wish it was. You know, a little easier for the Hornets. You know. Anyway, <laughs> this is my this, this is my request and my 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 prayers and my hope to the Houston Rockets to let John Wall go, let that man go. You know, y'all not y'all not going to play him. Y'all, you know, y'all not going to do that. Let John Wall go back to um, go back to Washington, man. Yeah. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see that happen again. You know, I don't know. If there was any bad blood or what happened with those situation over there, but I'd like to see them get back together because they need a point guard. And I think at this point, with the team that they have over there with Kuzma, Porzingis, you know, him and Brad already know each other, you know, and they add some pieces. I think that can be a pretty dangerous team. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm glad you said that because going back, like when I think about John Wall, I think about Al Horford and his what happened with him in Oklahoma City where they just shut him down. And a year later, he's one of the best players on that team in that playoff. He had an incredible playoff run. And the, and the Thunder were like, no, you're not playing for me. You're not playing for us this uh, last season. So, yeah, like John Wall, I'm sure he has plenty in the tank to contribute in some in some degree. If you just let, let him do it. Let him play. He ain't playing like two years. Yeah. 
You know, this man, man if anything, he's he, he got some of his youth back, you know, just, yeah. you know, resting <laughs> legs. Yeah, resting legs and just training and staying in shape to get ready to play and wants to play. And that's the thing that sucks. You know, they, they make all these these things about, oh, you know, Ben Simmons and them acting like prima donnas and, you know, James Harden and them acting like this. And it's like, so what's the reason with y'all when y'all do John Wall, y'all shut him down and he clearly said, I want to play, which I won't trade him. Y'all won't do nothing. Y'all just got this man sitting on limbo and he wants to play basketball. He don't want to be just sitting here collecting a check, which is a good thing. Yeah, he's still getting paid and he's collecting a check, but he wants to play basketball. So, you know, nobody talks about that. Nobody speaks on that that part of it. It's always all oh, these players is acting like this. They're making all this money and all this. So what about the ones who want to play and they just sitting them down? So nobody wants to talk about that part of it. Nobody wants to discuss that. And I think that's, you know, to me, that's BS, you know, because that man been sitting in Houston chilling and he wants to play. Yeah, and the player has no, like, this is out of their hands completely. It's, it's just, not, yeah. it's a broken system. It's stupid, man. I think Adam Silver has to do something about that. Like, like if y'all get mad about us not playing games because they say, quote unquote, we resting, and y'all want to find teams for that and do all that. What's the penalty for the organization when they tell a player that he's not going to play? And he's clearly saying he wants to play. So what, what what's that? You know? So yeah. I don't know. This some just something to, to bring up, something something to talk about, something, something to think about. You know, I think that, you know, that needs to be answered. Yeah, if they want to tank, tank, but don't sacrifice John Wall's playing career or, or any of these guys' playing career. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like make people feel like he can't play no more or he's John Wall is done. And it's like y'all haven't seen him in two years. How y'all gonna say he's done? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> no, I couldn't agree more. It's crazy. Um, so uh, we'll get you out of here on this and we'll end the podcast on this. Um, let's, we're going to go back into the time machine to 2005 mm-hmm. um, on YouTube is the full. I don't know how this is a lot like YouTube copyrights crazy. The two, whole entire 2005 NBA draft is on YouTube. Uh, That's crazy. It's a great like look at how TV used to be back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, it was great to hear and see St- Stuart Scott again. Um, I just want to say that off rip because he was incredible at his job and uh, gone way too soon. But yeah, uh, 05 draft opens up. You got you and your teammates holding the national championship trophy. They had you mic'd up in the crowd talking to people. Uh, What's your initial um, memories of the draft? Like not the draft itself, but like the the draft, the Mm -hmm. spectacle of it all. I I soaked everything in, man. Just being a little small town kid from a small town in South Carolina, like I soaked everything in, man, just from the training to visiting teams and talking to coaches and GMs and, you know, going to New York to that whole experience and going around and just doing the the media stuff and just the whole draft experience, man. I took all of it in. And of course, you know, walking across that stage and getting drafted, you know, by the Charlotte Bobcats at the time, the number fifth pick, having my family there right beside me and just embracing them and just fulfilling a goal and a dream that I had ever since I was a kid was, I mean, lost the words. It was just amazing. It was life-changing. And um, it was just beautiful. So, um, 
don't know, man. That whole experience was great. I got a chance to, to do it with some close friends that, you know, that flew into town with me. And I got to do it with my teammates who also became close friends and brothers from college. You know, Marvin Williams, you know, Sean May, Sean McCants, like all of us, you know, going through that whole process together and just being there, me and Sean getting drafted to Charlotte together. You know, those things was just, you know, unheard of, unthought of. And just, you know, I feel like for me, I was just like a kid in the candy store, man. It was just a blessing. It was fun. It was exciting, you know, and it was emotional all at the same time. Yeah, um, it, it, you could. It can't even though it wasn't the best quality. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I was. Te- I don't even know. So it's one of those things. Like it's, it's from 2005, right? It's not right. high definition. Right. I don't know if it was from a VCR or whatever. Like it was like, was this how TV looked? Is this what we all got used to? Oh yeah, it was. It was, it was a big difference. It was a big difference. So it's a bit of a shock. But once you're used to it, it's a great. It's a great like look down kind of memory lane because for if you're listening to this, that was the year Bogut went first overall. Mm-hmm. Um, you were in that, um, Darren Williams went three and then Chris Paul went four. Four, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, both point guards, they, the whole draft, they talked about how everyone in the league needs a point guard. So it was a great opportunity for you, you and your, mm-hmm. your fellow point guards coming into the league because like the demand was there. Um, mm-hmm. Did you know you were going fifth? Did you suspect it? Was it a surprise when you heard your name called? No, I was surprised. I was, I was picked to go between five well three from three from three all the way to like 12 was the was like the the the, the highest i would go and um utah say they like me but they also like darren williams so they end up going there on um, new orleans i never worked out for the whole time i was there so um that situation is what it was and charlotte was it was like i think the last team i did work out for and uh, me and Darren Williams was there at, at the same time. And we, we had a battle because that was the first time that I actually had a chance to work out with one of those point guards that was there with me. Okay. That was like, you know, y'all, all the young three is going to be the two, the, the three top point guards taken. And I had my first battle with, with one of them and we went at it. It was, it was fun. You know, I never, that's one thing I did. I never shot away from a, a, a challenge, you know what I'm saying? So it was fun. Utah, I kind of knew Utah was going to take him, and I told my agent. Did they trade back up, then. right? Like they, they, around yeah. then they traded up in the team. Mm-hmm. But then on top of that, they, um, they um, went in for the workout. Me and him was there again. So, you know, I'm all souped up, ready to go, ready to, you know, work out against him the next morning together. I get to the workout. He worked out earlier by himself. And I was like, oh, okay. So, okay. So, you know, you know, I still had a great workout. I think, I think me and Lou Williams was there together at that time. We had a great workout together and, um, you know, a good, a good, a good battle with one another. And, um, it was fun. It was a good opportunity, but uh, I kind of knew at that point Utah was taking them. So when they picked them the third pick, it didn't surprise me. I think it surprised CP a little bit because he thought he was going to be that first point guard taken mm-hmm. over me, over me, and um, over me and Darren. And um, when Darren went there, you know, I think that was a surprise to him. So then he went next, and then, you know, my agent called me. Well, my agent was right there. He got the phone call while he was at the table, and then he was like, um, "Charlotte is about to pick you." And I'm like, "For real? I'm, I'm staying in the Carolinas." <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? I was yeah. excited. Yeah. He, was like, he was like, "Yeah, Charlotte is about to pick you with this fifth pick." So and that's when that, that thing, you know, three point guards taking right behind each other in that draft 
you know, it's like the, the talk of that draft, like all three of us taking right behind each other at three, four, five. So, um, like I said, man, it was, it was, it was, it was a life experience. It was game changing. Um, but, um, it was, it was a lot of fun, man. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't take it any kind of way. Of course, you know, I'm just a competitor. When I saw those guys, I was going to play against them no matter what, you know, but we went and get, we went at each other all in college, you know, yeah. And me and D Will went at each other since AAU because we was just, we was the same class coming out in high school. So yeah. you know what I'm saying. So it's 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 been epic battles for a long time with me and him, and then me and CP being in ACC together it was battles with each other for two years. So you know it was never really like one of those things where just because they was drafted in front of me, I'm going at them. It was one of those things where here we go again. We finna go at each other again. We finna battle this thing out again. You know what I'm saying? Because I didn't really take it personal. Now, if I would've got picked like, they got picked three and um, three and four, then I got picked like 20, 20th or something like that. I might've took that personal. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that. But other than that, I didn't really matter, man. I won point guard of the year of college that year. So, you know, I have, I have something to hold over their head. <laughs> yeah, you got the title too. Like, you got it. <laughs> no question. <laughs> got the silverware. There you go. Um, and then one last thing. Um, you get drafted. Uh, Stu Scott asks you, um, or he mentions that you were 15th on Billis's big board. Mm-hmm. And you say that, you know, you go fifth. Billis says you're the 15th best player, but you know, whatever. Stu mm-hmm. Scott says, sorry, you say you're blessed. You're living the dream right now. You're going to work hard and try to prove him wrong. Mm-hmm. Did, did that play at all into your career when you think back about anyone who said, oh, he went too high, this is yeah. a reach or anything like that? Did that pl- does that play in your head when you're, when you're in the well, gym after I'm- that? No, not well. It does because you know that's always been my motivation. People like you know down down to me and telling me I can't do this. I'm not that good. I'm from a small town. I'm gonna get swallowed when I go to these big cities. Like you know, I've heard that my whole entire career, my whole life. So when he said that, it was motivation. But it was like, hey man, been there, done that. Jay Billis, you know, I don't care about what your board is. Obviously, your board don't mean shit because I got picked fifth and you said I was 15 best player. So, you know, forget your board, you know. That's really what I wanted to say when I I was up there. But, you know, you got to be politically correct. You know, I'm retired now, so I can say what I want to say. Forget your board, Jay Billis. (laughs) Forget your board, you know. No, I respect it. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, So... I mean, I think that's uh, this week's episode of the books. We have the draft coming up at the uh, at Thursday night. I can't wait. It's gonna be fun. It's always fun to watch the draft because you know every every team thinks they have you know it's a it's a symbol of hope for a lot of teams, you know, and a lot of potential and promise. And it's really fun to see these guys find out where they're gonna be. You know, like these guys are made millionaires in a night. You know, no families are taken care of. They're taken care of. Like generations will be taken care of beyond yeah. Thursday night because of their hard work. So it's really cool to see. And I look for, I like all the stories about these guys upbringing and all that. So it's, it's a lot of, a lot of narrative, a lot of cool things headed our way as, as uh, basketball fans. But Hey, we'll see what happens with the coaching search. We'll see what happens with the, uh, with the draft and we'll be here to cover it uh, every week here on the Believe in Hornets podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I've been Sam Raymond Felton. Appreciate you as always. No problem. To the Believe in Hornets podcast on the Believe Podcast Network presented by Bet Online. See you soon. Peace. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.